Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Any kids that haven't stepped out to Life Kids, you can go now to to Life Kids. And uh, are you ready for the word now? Um, and then we're also going to pray over anybody that's graduating. Um, into different levels of school, and even if you're in college and are graduating out of college into your life as an adult, into a career, we want to pray for you also at the end of service. So we're going to do that um, in just a little bit. But first, we're going to get into the Word, okay? All right, Ephesians 6, 14. I'm going to go ahead and just read it again. Um, This is going to be the last message in this series, and um, I think it's been awesome uh, for me. I don't know about you guys, but I've learned a lot, so um, hopefully you have too. But in verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And we're going to focus on this last part where it's talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, our sword, our sharp two-edged sword, and then also this verse that, that really ends up this uh, message about the armor of God, just talking to us about praying without ceasing, fervently praying. And so this wording that we have here from Paul, that he's, he's actually pulling some of this wording from the Old Testament in Isaiah 59.2, and we can read that. It says, he made my words of judgment as, as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadows of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. And in this moment, you know, you have Israel back in the Old Testament, and they really were supposed to be that sharp two-edged sword um, to everybody else. But what happened was that they kind of lost their edge, if you will. They weren't as sharp as they should be in many ways. Weren't weren't sharp in the head because they kind of messed up. Um, But then they weren't sharp because their words weren't piercing to those that were around them because they weren't living right. And so God had to send his servant. God had to send somebody to talk to them, not now to the Gentiles, not not those outside of Israel, but had to send someone to talk actually to Israel. And this is the moment that we're in here, and it says that he made my words, the prophet, like a sharp sword. And that's where we get this wording. And and I just, 
I mean, there's so many things. This is not, I'm not focusing on the Old Testament part, but, but I think about Israel and think about, you know, them. I, I imagine we all are like, yeah, I got my sword. I got the word of God. And we're always thinking about those that, that, you know, their hearts need to be pierced by the word of God and aren't realizing that our sword isn't sharp anymore, you know, that, that it's lost its edge because we haven't allowed it to change us or to pierce our hearts as much as it should. I don't want to lose my edge. I want the words that are coming out of my mouth, just like here in Isaiah, that, that God is going to give us words. It's, it's really his word. It's not anything that I could do or you could do. It's, it's his word. But the words that we speak can be sharp and cut through all the mess and all those hard things. They can be. But his word has to pierce us first. And in this Old Testament scripture, I, I like the way that, you know, when we talk about the armor of, of God, and we've talked about all these different pieces that, that Paul's been explaining to us, and when we talk about the armor of God, we can think that it's these things that we can attain, like somehow we have been able to obtain this peace or understanding or salvation. Too many times we lean toward us being able to accomplish something. But realizing that if this is nothing that has to do with us, nothing that we can accomplish, but it is something that is given to us. It's not ours, but it's his. We have this armor, but it's only because he's given it to us. And it's, it's his. It's only because of him. And in that scripture in Isaiah, I love it because it says, he made my words. He has hidden me. And I'm like a sharp arrow in his quiver. The only reason I'm a sharp arrow is because I'm his. The only reason that my sword, that the sword can be sharp is because it's his. And he's made it sharp. The only reason that I'm where I am or I am protected is because he has hidden me. It's all his. It's all his. But we have this word that is like a two-edged sword. Are we wielding it? Are we holding it correctly? You know, those are the things that, that I think, you know, and it's like, yeah, I got my Bible. And it's like, you're not even holding it. It's on the shelf. That sword does nothing unless it's in your hand. A sword itself does, well, let me say this the right way. This Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, does something itself. But God has created 
us in a way and this whole plan in a way that he wants us to wield it to be used by us. Not that we've done anything, but he's done it for us. And he wants us to wield this weapon. So when we come to the New Testament and we say the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, this analogy of a sword, you know, you're like, hey, yeah, that's amazing. You know, I wonder what he meant by that. In that day, I know people don't carry around swords now very much. I mean, you might see somebody carrying around a sword every once in a while, but... But in that day, whenever he was writing these things about the armor of God, and they were wielding swords. And swords weren't used to dig up stuff. They weren't used for anything but cutting and warfare and killing. And do we understand that this is what this word of God is for? It's used to cut. It's used to put to death. But it's not like those old swords that put to death people. It's used to put to death, to put to death our old self. It's used to put to death sin and shame. These old things that, that we have been walking in that we don't need to be walking in anymore. That's what this, see, it's the same, same thing. It's supposed to kill something. It's just not a person. It's our old self. It's not to draw literal blood, but it's to draw the blood of Christ out in us. Like, I, I want this sword, this word of God to pierce me that I see not my self, but his blood running through my veins. So it's used to put to death our old self. In Romans 8, 13, it says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you will put to death the deeds of the old body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We don't live. In a spirit of bondage. See, this word of God, the the sword of the Spirit, it cuts through and it cuts out that bondage. It cuts out that sin. It cuts out all that stuff that we need to get rid of. No matter how much you like it, you need to get rid of it. And that's the problem. Too many times we like the sin we are living in. That's how sin works. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't do it. This sword is for putting to death 
our old desires, our, own, our old sinful nature, the way we were living, but shouldn't be living anymore. John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. I love that. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. It's one way or the other. You don't live there all peaceful and nice with your sin. You don't keep on living forever and ever, living the way that you were living or living in sin. It's either putting you to death or you're putting it to death. It's either cutting you apart or you're cutting it out and saying you can't stay here anymore. And that happens by the word of God. It pierces through that sin and that shame. This isn't a dead word. It's alive. It's living. It breathes life into us. But we got to open it up. We got to read it. Right? You got to... You got to get in there and allow these words, these words that have life whenever, uh, look, I love, it's the most amazing thing that you can read a scripture 500 times and new life comes out of it every time and God reveals something to you that's new and fresh every time. And I'm not saying every time you read this word, it's like, I mean, sometimes, I mean, look, this is part of our just fleshly nature. Sometimes it, it could feel like a chore, and many times it does. But when we push past that feeling of that maybe we're just doing this and it's not really getting through, most times it's because there's some kind of hard shell on us and it needs to pierce through that hardness. But if we stay in it and allow it to pierce through that shell, and then all of a sudden it brings forth this fresh life in us. If we want power, see, I, I think... Everybody wants their words to be powerful. I don't think that anybody could say that they don't. Like, no, I don't want my words to mean anything. I don't want my words to change anyone's life. I don't want, like, who says that? Nobody. We all want what we say and what we do, our actions and, and how we talk and, and what people hear from us to be powerful. But in order for our words to be powerful, we have to allow the power of the word to transform us. There's just no, no other way around it. I think too many times, and I, okay, I don't know if I want to get all into this, but we don't seek God for somebody else. And I think that that's an issue with too many ministers 
that you see things going wrong with. I'll just put it that way. Is that so many times, and this is not just pastors, but for anybody, you're like, I know God, I love God, and you're seeking God, and too many times we get to this place where we're seeking God. God wants to use me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be used by him to speak to other people. But then you go on and on, and God is using you, but then you get to the place where you're just seeking God for somebody else and not allowing that word of God to transform you We don't seek God for somebody else. We seek God for ourselves and then it allows us to be in a place where he can transform somebody else. If I ever get up here and say, I got something for you and it didn't do anything for me, take me off the stage right then. Because we need this to transform us before it can be effective through us. Not that it's not effective, but for it to be effective through us to somebody else, it has to transform us first. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. I love this. In this scripture, it's taking and delineating. He's like, he says, the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. He's using joints and marrow to talk about soul and spirit. And you can have a sword that is able to cut through. You guys know what bone or joints and marrow. The outside is really hard. It's not easy to get through. That exterior part of your bone. But when you get into the inner part, the marrow, it's soft. And that is where the life is in your bone. And he's saying this word it cuts, it's sharp, it's so sharp that it can cut straight through that outer shell, that hardness of heart, that hardness of, of life and of those things that have happened. It can cut through that thing that happened to you when you're a child. It can cut through that shell that you've built up because things have gone wrong in your life. It cuts through all that mess, that shell and hardness that's been around you and gets through into the soft inner life that's inside of you. That's what this word can do. It's that powerful. And we need it to pierce us. This is not a, it's not a dull sword that just bounces off that outer shell. We've all got a shell. And God wants to cut through and get into that life, that soft marrow that's inside of you and bring out his purposes in his life 
in you. So then we go to verse 18, and it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Prayer is the power that wields the weapon. Prayer is, is this mode of communication that we have with God. And it's not, it's not like a dinner bell, you know? Too many times I think we're like, ding, 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 God, I need this. Ding, 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 God, give me this. Ding, 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 ding. God, I want this. That's not what it is. It's a two-way communication. And if you look at this, when they were talking about, about the armor of God, this, this armor, what armor is for warfare? I don't see any dinner bells in warfare. What I see is two-way communication between generals and those troops that are out fighting the war. I see communication from one that is the leader to the ones that are carrying out these acts of warfare. And whenever I think about that and now relate that to the armor of God and prayer is that communication from God who is the one who holds all things in his hand. He's the one who knows from beginning from end. He's the one that wants to communicate with us and tell us where we should go and where we should fight and how we should fight. We say, God, what do you want me to do? And he's like, I'm glad you ask. Here's where I want you to go. Prayer is, is the getting the marching orders from God. Like, do we know what prayer is? It's not just asking him for things we want. It, prayer is this communication that we have so we know where we are, who we are, what we're supposed to be doing, and, and having that relationship, that knowing. And the more we communicate with him, it, you know, it's like the more you know somebody, you know, and like in the movie, it's like we finish each other's sandwiches, Right? <laughs> You guys seen that movie? Frozen? Okay. <laughs> but the more time we spend in that mode of, of prayerful communication with him, we get to know who he is and get to know more of how he wants us to act, what he wants us to do. And it becomes easier to understand those things, to, to hear. You know, the first time, it's like that communication hasn't happened before or doesn't happen very much, and God's like, hey, I want you to go and pray for this person. You're like, wait, what? 
It's not as easy to understand, not as easy to to deal with. But when we're in that mode of communicating and hearing and allowing him to speak to us and to tell us who we are, first of all, that we're his and that we're victorious because he's victorious. And to tell us what to do, it just becomes easier and easier. Prayer is that communication. Between the commander of the forces or the general, between our God, the one who knows what should happen, what we should do, and where we should go to us, the ones that are going to go. The hands and the feet, the ones that are going to do. That is what prayer is. In John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, the interesting thing about this scripture and what I, I love about it and, and want to kind of do whenever, like, digging out of this scripture is, is that It's talking about that you have been chosen and you have been appointed to go and bear fruit. There should be fruit coming out of your life. There should be fruit born from your actions and and what you do on a day-to-day basis and how you live. There should be fruit from it. There should be lives changed. There should be things happening and, and people coming to know him. You're like, I'm, I'm not one of those preachers or I'm not going to stand on the, you know, on the co- street corner with, a, with one of those loudspeakers. You don't have to. Just live how he's asked you to live. Live with him in that prayer, that communication, and your life will bring change to the world around you. But we're called to bear fruit. We've been chosen and appointed to do that. But he says that, That whatever you ask in my name, he may give to you. Why is he going to give us the things that we ask? Because we are appointed and commissioned and called to bear fruit. It's putting those two things together. He is not going to give me the prayers that I ask whenever it's me sitting on the couch saying, I don't really care what happens with my life and I don't want to bear fruit and I don't want to talk to anybody. But God, bless me. Yeah. You know, I don't know God and I, and I can't say that he won't. But in this scripture, I see that those things are tied together, that he will answer our prayer when we are asking things that will cause us to bear fruit. When we are asking things of him that will help to strengthen us and for us to be who we're supposed to be in him. You know, 
was it last week, I guess, that I said something about bearing fruit? And we drove over here, Tori and I, and I, I was getting some wood up here in the front and of, of the church that we had chopped up. And uh, I drove my car around the front, and then all of a sudden, like, I drove under this branch, and all these, like, berries started dropping down on the car. And I was like, what? It looks like blackberries or something. And Tori's like, stop the car. Those are mulberries. There's a mulberry tree here, right here in the front. And you just spoke about bearing fruit, and there's fruit being born on this tree. And it was like this amazing thing. We just like drove into it, and there's this fruit falling down on the car. But in that story, I think about the excitement and the life that seemed to come to us. We jumped out of the car, and we're like, <laughs> seriously, we were just like, we got a cup from the car. We're just like filling it up. It's like, there's fruit, there's fruit. But that is what our life should be. A big tree, big branches that have fruit on it that just fall off so easy that when people are around, they come by and it's just falling on them. The fruit that Christ has called us to bear is just falling all around us. It doesn't even take a lot of work. Like seriously, it was crazy. Like the fruit was so ripe that you just like went like this on the tree and there's like thousands were just falling. And I think about that. And can our lives be like that? That we just live each day. It's not a struggle to do what God's called us to. It's not a struggle to be who he's asked us to be, but we are spending that time in communication. We have his sword, the sword of his spirit that's pierced through and brings out that life in us, that softness, that marrow, who he is in us. And then all of a sudden, I mean, we're just spending time with him. We're praying, we're communicating with God. And there's just fruit that is so ripe the people walk by and it falls on them. That they can just pick it up and they're like, what is this? What is this? And that it's refreshing and, and sustenance to those that need him. That's who we're called to be. power of prayer was not given to us to bring us comforts, to bring us wants. The power of prayer was given to us to wield a weapon, to wield the weapon of our warfare, that spiritual warfare. And I think if we see that in that way, if we see prayer in that way, not to get stuff that we need, but for God to use us 
to win battles in spiritual warfare, to break down strongholds. Like when I talk to God, yes, of course, it's to talk to him about things in me and things, you know, God changed this. I've been really lazy. I've been, you know, mean to my wife. And that's not true. I never am. But guys, it's a joke, okay? But of course, there's prayers that have to do with me. But the point of my prayers should be something that is life-changing in me so that I can bear fruit and so that I can be that warrior and wield that weapon that he's given me. To wield the weapon, that is what prayer is. His word triumphs, triumphs through prayer. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.